Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Today, our very special guest is Tamika Vasquez. She is a previous entrepreneur, and now she is working on a lot of other big projects inside of an organization, and she's here to tell us her story and all about her entrepreneurial venture to now her entrepreneurial venture. Um, so, Tamika, could you tell us about who you are? Give us a quick intro, maybe four to five sentences. Yeah, sure. So really glad to be doing this. It's, it's always great to um, be able to reconnect and, and talk about these things. My background, for the most part, has been working in a marketing and business development function for tech companies. So that's historically what I've done, um, serving a variety of industries from advertising uh, to publishing to financial services, you know, just moved around a few different industries. Um, but I've always been in that role of being a strategist and driving marketing and business development programs um, for the sake of selling some kind of software solution. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that's pretty much been the journey. And, and currently I've kind of doubled up on the ways that I've been navigating those spaces and taking all the lessons that I've learned and actually now teach part-time as well um, at a university. So that's me. Nice. Nice. Um, so Let's take a few steps back, go back a couple years. Um, could you talk about when you first became an entrepreneur and what made you, you know, act on your entrepreneurial bug? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the point that I hit was sort of the point that you think would be the height of your career. It's your peak. It's when you should be the happiest. You should be the most fulfilled. And it was a point that I just found myself feeling very lost and uh, just needing to allow myself to explore all of the opportunities that were out there. And you really just need time to do that. You know, when you're working full time for a company, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to be able to juggle those things. And so for me, um, you know, like I said, I was at the peak of my career. I was doing really, really well considering uh, my age at the time. And I decided, you know, at that point I had been running this corporate game for probably five or six <laughs> years um, and I decided that was a good time to just take a step back take a pause try and see if I could really do this on my own um, and just be able to reassess and see what's out there meet new people just be in new environments and that was pretty much what spun me into that uh, entrepreneurial journey. Nice and what was the first um, venture you launched as an entrepreneur? So the first thing I actually ended up doing was working for a small tech company that was based out of Switzerland, and they needed somebody to help them um, launch their platform in the United States. They also needed somebody to help them, you know, go to various investors and try to get, um, you know, various venture capital dollars and things like that. And so, you know, super small company, um, I just started working with them and I was trying to figure out you know, how to package myself up as a service, you know, all the things that I had learned and all the things that I had done, working for companies of all sizes and in different industries, you know, they were my first opportunity to be able to 
take all of the things that I learned and the skills that I developed and put it into a package that would serve their immediate need, which at the time was we have to expand and we have to generate um, investment dollars in order to really grow at the pace we want to. So that was, that was my first project. Nice, nice. And how did you find out about that opportunity? <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, you said it's like all the way the company was like based in Switzerland. Did you go over there to work for them? Was it more so like a um, remote kind of position? Could you talk a lot, a little bit about like that, that part of the, yeah, that was, aspect of the opportunity? Yeah, it was fully remote. Um, the interesting thing was everything is time and place, right? And so I was all over the place, running around, going to events, trying to find projects, and at no surprise, but I guess at a surprise at the time, this first project came through a referral, just somebody who I had gone to college with, you know, back in the day who um, remembered me when her fiance at the time asked, you know, do you know anybody who can help with marketing strategy? He was a co-founder of the company and, uh, you know, his co-founders were out in Switzerland and they have some remote engineering teams in other countries and, yeah, that's pretty much how that happened. So even after all that running around, it really just came down to word of mouth and, and being referred directly by somebody that I knew. Yeah, I see that a whole lot with a lot of opportunities. And even myself, you know, a, the majority of the opportunities, the last thing or the good opportunities that I get are through referrals. So guys, whoever is yeah. listening out there, be mindful of, you know, who you know. So those networking opportunities or networking events that you go to right now, those are really just planting the seeds. It's the opportunity that's going to come, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now through that relationship that you built with the person that you connected with and meant that's going to be the, the, the fruit that you reap from it. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, you may get lucky and the person that you met last week at that meetup is going to be able to connect you with an opportunity I don't know, a week from now, that's like really unlikely, but it's the person that you went to college with, the person that yeah. you met five years ago at that previous meetup. That's the person that's going to say, hey, I know this person so well and I've seen a lot of their work because while you're gaining your experience, it's kind of like they're right there with you, watching you gain that experience. It's like as if, you know, and we want to relate it to sports or something, you know, you're playing the game and they've been to all of your games. They see how you play. They understand your methods. They know what you're about and they know that you're consistent with it. And now they they feel confident in saying, okay, hey, person that I know needs something that is important and valuable and needs quality. I think Tamika's the, the best person for it. I think Georgie's the best person for it because I've seen her do it. Um, so just be yeah, really mindful of that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. That Yeah, a hundred percent. Because the interesting thing was this wasn't somebody that I had met in a setting where my intention was to network and my intention was to have them know what I do for a living. You know, this is somebody that I met in school, but the impression that I must have left on her, you know, she was a couple years ahead of me. We only had one class together, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> for her to remember me all these years later, what was the trigger was really being able to associate me with a very specific thing, which in this case was marketing. So when she heard the words marketing strategy, she was like, you know, yeah, I know somebody who did that and was able to kind of dig through her Rolodex even five, six years down the road and, you know, give me um, that leg up for that opportunity. So it's, it's interesting that everything you just said, I a hundred percent agree with, but I think the key is, you know, it's not always the people that you're directly trying to build relationships or networking with. It's mm -hmm. just the people that are around you and making sure that 
you're consistent in your interactions and people, even if they, you stand nothing to gain from them, at least on the surface, and they stand nothing to gain from you on the surface, they can associate you in a certain way. They have a certain respect level for you. You conduct yourself in a way that is memorable. That stuff goes such a, such a long way. And, you know, if um, the story I just gave is any indication, I think that pretty much speaks for itself. Yeah, I 100% agree. And another thing that I want to highlight that you just mentioned is the specialization. The fact that they could associate you with a specific thing. Um, right now, it's it's common to kind of want to be known as a jack of all trades. You know, you are a solopreneur or a innovator that could do X, Y, Z, you know, A through, a through Z. You could do everything. But if someone could say, okay, boom, I definitely know she's great at marketing boom, I definitely know he's great at finances. It's a lot easier for them to kind of remember you and like have you stand out in that sense. So when something does come up that needs a specialized person or just something comes up, it's more a direct thing versus, oh, I don't really know. He does a little bit of that. He does a little bit of this. I don't really know if he's going to be interested in that, but if they could associate you with something um, and that's literally a part of your branding as well, not you might not be doing it on purpose, but just keep that in mind as as you're trying to build up your repertoire, your resume, um, just your your effect that you have on everyone else out there. The next question I have for you is to talk a little bit about, you know, what was a crazy story of um, a misadventure that you experienced while on your entrepreneurial journey? Um, yeah, no, I, I made a lot of um, mistakes, you know, the first few months in particular on this whole journey of trying to be an entrepreneur and trying to um, navigate this new world of having to build something for myself, you know, and I, there are so many mishaps, but they were mostly just things that I had to learn on the spot. Um, so I don't really have too many crazy stories, but the type of story that comes to mind right away is uh, just <laughs> being thrown into a pitch competition uh, literally like the day before the competition was supposed to be happening. And so I was working with this company and um, they invited me to come out with them to Silicon Valley to participate in um, the Startup Grind Conference. And this is, you know, a conference that takes place in different cities around the world. But the one that is uh, in Redwood City in Silicon Valley is kind of like their premier conference. So that's where they bring everybody together. They have pitch competitions. They have series of talks and they have investors that are roaming around and it's intended to be the one-stop shop for everything that you need to learn and bring together and network for the sake of building your startup. Um, and so pretty much at the last minute, uh, the, the co-founders asked if I would be willing, you know, to take on the pitch challenge. And this was literally like the day before I had never done anything <laughs> like that before. Um, but just for the sake of, you know, maintaining a good relationship, building what I hope to be a long-term relationship, um, you know, I, I, I stepped in for them because there were many reasons behind why they, they just weren't ready and comfortable doing that, uh, you know, language barriers and things like that as well. But, you know, so they trusted me and they, they wanted to see if this could be an opportunity for us. Um, via <laughs> me, essentially. And yeah, I got thrown into it last minute and I had to go up there and deliver, I think it was like 45 seconds that you had um, to make a pitch, to make an ask, you know, in front of like 600 people. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it was it was the scariest 45 seconds of my life. But, you know, I, 
I don't call it a mishap per se, but it's one of those things where, you know, had you been trained, had you been prepped, I'm sure it would have went a lot better. Um, I think they went okay, but it's probably one of the most memorable experiences of just being able to step up, you know, to a challenge and being able to fill in a role that somebody really needs you to play in that moment, you know, in this case, for the sake of building out um, a team and building this client relationship, but also uh, just for the sake of showing that you're reliable and you'll de you're dependable and you're flexible as well. So, um, you know, a lot of mini stories like that along the way. Um, but it, that one just came to mind right away when you asked. Yeah, definitely showing up and just like taking the action, even though you're, I'm pretty sure you're super scared and just like, what am I about to do? Is this even going to work? Am I going to even remember what I'm like trying to say? You know, in, in those situations, I think it's really important to just say, you know what, life is short. <laughs> it goes on. Even if I make a fool out of myself for these 45 seconds, at least I know I'm not going to regret or think, oh, what could have happened? What if anything happened? Um, did you win any prizes from that? Or was it just like a, just a pitch, not really like a prize after pitch kind of thing? Yeah, there was no, there was no prize. The goal was to be able to try and be memorable to the people that are in the audience, because essentially mm -hmm. they would come up to you afterwards and, you know, they would engage and they would want to learn more. And you never know if there was an investor there and just people who are in that kind of startup ecosystem. So there was no prize, but there was a lot on the line and, you know, 600 sets of eyeballs on you at the same time. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, I actually thought about something else while, while I was saying that, um, in terms of something that was a bit more of a mishap, I really had to learn how to work remotely. And it's almost silly to say this now, but Amen. I learned <laughs> the hard way, um, you know, things like just being able to make sure that uh, where you're going has a Wi-Fi connection and, you know, <laughs> making sure where you're going has a quiet space for you to take calls and for you to kind of be um, in the zone, you know, that you're not being kicked out of a, a place after a half hour of sitting there not buying anything like I made so many teeny tiny mistakes like that along the way, just because I didn't, I didn't even know what it was like to work remotely prior to doing this, um, you know, uh, stepping out on my own. I'd never had a job that let me work remotely before that. So it was interesting to, um, you know, have to navigate that new world of having to find a place to work sometimes every other day, you know, and then budgeting and making sure I could get like a WeWork membership at a certain point. Like there were so many <laughs> things like that, that I just had to scrap together and kind of learn on the spot. So that came to mind as well when I was telling the other story. Nice. And I totally, well, 150% agree about working remote. Um, it sounds so, you know, leisurely, like, oh, you don't have to go into the office. You don't have to get dressed every day. But working remote is, I think, even more tedious than working yeah. in an office. Because what one of the biggest shockers for me, I don't know if you could probably agree, was the cutting a line to where work ends and, like, home life begins. Because uh, if you're working... Yep literally, you know, in your living room, bedroom, whatever, it's easy to say work begins when I wake up and work ends when I go to sleep. And it's easy to just continue answering the phones or replying to emails and just being available 24 sevens versus when you previously worked in person or whatever, you are available, you know, nine to five, eight to four, 10 to six, whatever. Um, now it's just like, when does the clock stop? It never stops. I was just always working. So I had to set boundaries that, you know, even though I'm technically at work all the time and technically at home all the time, 
you know, this is my workspace. I'm not going to move my computer from this area. I'm not going to, you know, take my work into the bedroom. This space right here is dedicated to my work. Another thing that I had to do was say, okay, even though I can reply to this email at 12.01 a.m., I'm not going to. If, if I want to type it, that's on my time. I'm going to use an app or a feature. Um, this One of the plugins that I use is called Streak. Um, that will, if I type emails at like 2 a.m., it doesn't send them till 8 a.m. Because to let people know, like, I am technically not available yeah, right now. Work is over and build those boundaries was something that I never... I never even thought about before I was working remotely and I had to learn the hard way. (laughs) We all did. It's it's, it's so funny because yeah, people romanticize the idea Mm -hmm. of you can work from anywhere and you can wake up at any time. And you know, all of that is true, but the, the asterisks that you have to put when you make statements like that is exactly what you said. The lines get blurred between, you know, your work and your personal life. Mm -hmm. Um, You really learn a lot about yourself and your discipline you know, as an entrepreneur and being in that entrepreneurial mindset, it forces you to learn more about yourself than you ever have because people take for granted, you know, when you have a job, there's a certain structure and there's a certain expectation that all you have to do is not screw that up. (laughs) But when you are sort of answering to yourself, there's a different mindset that a mindset shift that has to happen in order for you to successfully um, come into your own and learn your habits and learn your work style and learn what's going to be both inspirational and productive at the same time, you know, just to kind of keep yourself um, in that, in the, in the sort of uh, phase that you need to be in to be performing at your best and to be achieving your goals. It's, I wish people, you know, kind of understood that a bit more, um, certainly before jumping into it, but just in general, I think for the people like us who have navigated that space before, you know, I think it's up to us to kind of, tell the truth about what these things are really like. It was the best, you know, a year and a half or so of my life in terms of everything I learned, but little things like working remotely and figuring out where to work and where has a Wi-Fi connection and what playlist do I need to get my mind right? (laughs) You know, um, how do I have a a better sense of self-awareness? So I'm not just lying to myself, like all those tiny details Mm -hmm. um, are just really important for us to start incorporating into the narrative around being an entrepreneur and working remotely and all that stuff. Yeah, because those little things that we take for granted end up making us some big, oftentimes expensive mistakes. <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So I've been there, done that. I will warn y'all, be careful. <laughs> um, so now I want to start shifting gears a bit. Uh, we were discussing earlier that you exited the entrepreneurial space but I say you know once an entrepreneur always an entrepreneur no matter what you're doing where you are um even if you're working inside of an organization you become an entrepreneur because that mindset that you develop is always going to be there um but you no longer you know run your own um business now you're working and building an entrepreneurial uh aspirations inside of an organization so could you tell us a little bit about why you decided to make that shift back to an organization full-time um how did that feel how did folks around you respond how did you feel about that so could we just like talk a little bit about that whole situation the the transition yeah yeah I'm, I'm happy to share I mean the transition was it was a really pivotal point in my life you know so there's a lot that goes into that story but the best way for me to summarize it would be to say I am very perceptive 
And I learned to just pick up the cues of where my life was at the time to signal to me that this was the right time to step back in to a slightly more structured environment and, you know, stepping back into having a full-time job again. It was just a matter of me really, really being perceptive because I was learning a lot. I was meeting a lot of people. I was traveling a lot. I was on the road. I was really feeling productive, but there were certain things that were just not lining up and certain things that were just not adding up. You know, I ended up losing a couple clients along the way. Um, my biggest client, you know, uh, <laughs> I had to rescind on their uh, renegotiation of the contract. And that was a big blow for me. And then, you know, there were other sort of things that were happening at the time, impacting my ability to scale up the other client relationships that I had. And there was just, there was just a lot going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So even though I felt productive, I felt motivated, the signs around me were really telling me like, you know what, you have to kind of reassess if this is something that you could really sustain, you know, for another year, or if this is something that you kind of want to scale back. And I really have to decide to myself, what's the most important thing right now? You know, and for me, the most important thing at the time was, I just want to ensure that my skill set is not going stale, that I'm not taking certain things for granted, that I'm staying up to trend in terms of, you know, technology, and because that's the industry that I, I've been working in, and that was my core expertise. And I just wanted to make sure that I was in an environment that would allow for that. So it just so happened to be at the time, the environment that would have best allowed for that, uh, was going back into a full-time role. That being said, I made sure I, I held it out as long as I could. And I made sure that when I did step back into a full-time role, that I just wasn't taking any job because at this point I had seen too much on my own and I had tested myself in so many ways. And I had, you know, really just been proud of myself and I didn't want to let all of that go to the wayside. So for me, it was a matter of stepping into the right role. One that exactly what you said would allow me to adopt more of that entrepreneurial mindset now that I've had that entrepreneurial experience and not have all of that stuff go to waste, but instead to use that to, to really level up what I was doing. Um, so the transition back in was tough simply because, you know, now you're, you're back at an office, you're back at that sort of um, work style and that work lifestyle, and you kind of have to readjust. And so it took me a couple months just to like literally just to remember like, oh, wait, I have to go to the office, you know, <laughs> and um, I have to interact with people and I have to, you know, it, it just kind of took me a while because you, you operate in this very isolated environment for so long that you almost forget that, you know, you have to socialize and you have to interact with your colleagues and all these <laughs> like little tiny things that you just forget. So exactly. the transition back in was, um, it took me a couple months, but I think what really allowed me to hit the ground running was getting a better sense of what kind of projects I was going to be running, you know, what kind of initiatives would I be leading, you know, what sort of stuff could I really do and contribute that didn't have a very specific um, set of tasks associated with it. So it was really like here, you know, this is the challenge, this is the, the business problem, and you go solve it, you know, and just that same mindset uh, that got me through scrambling and finding clients and projects and all that stuff was very easily transferable to a mindset where now I'm in-house at a company and I have to provide value pretty much from day one, but it's less intimidating without, you know, now that I didn't need the structure and now that I didn't need the list, the to-do list to come from my boss, like I didn't need that stuff. So yeah. it was very, um, in that respect, it was, it was a very seamless transition uh, to be able to, like I said, hit the ground running, being back at a full-time occupation. Yeah, that is definitely amazing. And I think, you know, 
a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, when things might not be going right in your business, there's a lot of guilt. Maybe I'm not using the right word, but I, I, I could, I think it's guilt around even thinking or wanting to get that stability back of something yeah. full time until you could, you know, be back a hundred percent in the entrepreneurial scope. And I think, you know, especially when you have a support, a, a network, not even a support system, a network of folks that might have not been supportive in the beginning. It's just, you feel almost you have something to prove. There's a lot of ego that goes into it as well. The guilt that yeah, a lot. if, why would you give up now? Or, you know, you're psyching yourself out, just keep pushing, just keep trying to go. Just, you know, um, it's, it's just kind of an overwhelming feeling. And then when you make that final decision now, again, dealing with folks in your background that might be saying something negative or might be um, saying, oh, why did you, you know, do that? I told you you shouldn't have launched it. I knew it was going to work. So just like that fear of what's going to happen, it just, it's just a lot of feelings that bubble up. But what I really want to highlight was how you described it as, you know, you did what was right for you at that time. You looked at the situation for not, you know, what I've done over the last three years, but I have a whole life ahead of me. What am I going to do next? I could always jump back into the entrepreneurial scope when I'm ready and when I need to, I could always, um, you know, try something new, you know, just, but what right now based on my needs and my wants, what is the best thing for me to do to move forward? And then from there, making that decision, whether it's to scale back your company, completely shut down your company. Cause you know, I shut down illicit mine um, last year. And when I tell you, I cried like a baby. <laughs> yeah. Because I cried my first day going back to work. Yeah, you know, you mourn. And now the, <laughs> the listeners, you literally and mourn. And all the listeners business, know that. <laughs> you know, you mourn your business. You mourn that experience. And you're, you're now, you're excited, but you're also scared. And you're, 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 is that, that system of, um, what is it called? Uh, grieving that you go through when you're about to start that new position. Um, and so that there's a lot of emotions tied up into this and just recognizing that and not being afraid to be honest about that. Cause I feel like a, not a lot of people are transparent about that and they yeah. might, and people might even get a full-time job while still running their company, but then keep it under the curtains, like make it, it's like this big secret, like shh, 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 don't tell anybody. Um, I don't work here. You know, they're not going to update their LinkedIn. They're not going <laughs> to um, put it on their resume because it's just, it just feels like almost you're being deceptive. Like you're supposed to be this rich six, seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneur. Why do you need a job? Um, you know, the man is holding you back. So <laughs> I right. just feel like, you but know, again, it's like, mm-hmm, go it, ahead. it's up to us, you know, it's really up to us to stop the glorification of this lifestyle and really just start telling these stories. You know, I, I was reading somewhere, um, I was reading an article earlier today. And one of the phrases that came out of the article was, if something is very, very near and dear to you, most likely it matters to the rest of the world. And what they were essentially saying was, as long as you have personal experience and there is that emotional attachment that you described, there's a very high likelihood that that story has to be told on a much, much broader scale because Mm -hmm. the universe, the world probably needs to hear it because if it's close to you, it's probably close to millions of people as well. And so I think it's just up to us to tell better stories, but it's also up to us to, that's why I gave the disclaimer that I have a high degree of perceptiveness, you know, and I have a very high degree of self-awareness and that allowed me to kind of 
take a slice of humble pie when I needed to, but also just to be able to put things into context. And again, exactly what you said, it's not the be all end all just because you decide, all right, I'm going to go back and see what happens, you know, maybe potentially step back out, maybe not, you know, you have to allow yourself to be an experiment and you have to, you don't have anything to prove anybody but yourself because the overwhelming majority of people that you're probably trying to prove something to do not have the bravery that you had to even take that step in the first place so it's gonna fall on deaf ears you know (laughs) so when people are like oh you're selling out and you're going back to the man and you're doing this and doing that it's like yeah but tell me how many times you failed I don't want to know how many times you know Mm -hmm. you did something that you succeeded at right away because that probably meant it was too easy I need to know when you failed, you know, what you learned, how you picked yourself up, brushed yourself off, pivoted, how you are flexible and able to go into different spaces of your life and navigate them in new ways and what lessons you learned. That's stuff people need to be talking about. So yeah, you know, I, I just don't I don't I don't look at it as a setback. I don't look at it as a failure. I purely look at it as time place, you know, within that specific context, you are making the best decisions with the options that are handed to you. Y'all out there listening? Did you hear all those <laughs> gems, y'all? Come on. <laughs> because that's the realness of it. That's the facts of it. And so, you know, this is that is literally if I could redo the introduction for this podcast, that will be that would be it. You know, <laughs> that is what we're trying to tackle here. This stereotypical um you know one size fits all everybody must be a six-figure entrepreneur kind of mentality when it's just not like that you're gonna win some you're gonna lose some you're gonna it's life you learn you you know evaluate then you move on and then you keep going don't you know overthink it don't don't feel oh you know I've been at it for 10 years and now this kid's at it for two years and he has a six a a nine figure um round race and so I got to go raise around that's not for you that's not for you yeah and just and and, and, yeah go ahead yeah no sorry I mean I think I think everybody in when they're trying to make those types of decisions and they're you know, trying to find people that they could look up to or potentially compare themselves to and all of that stuff, what you, what we all fail to understand is, you know, what, I I don't believe like what will be, will be, but it's, I do believe there's a degree of self-control, but I do believe that in order for you to figure out what's really meant for you, so to speak, and what's really, um, where you're really meant to go and the path that you're really meant to take you really have to take a step back and not necessarily look left nor right. You really just kind of have to look straight mm-hmm. ahead. And, you know, it's, it's your path. Like your flashlight might shine all around you, but ultimately what's going to help you get from point A to point B is shining that flashlight forward and figuring out where's the end of this road. And guess what? That's going to lead to another road. So, you know, I think people are looking for something and they don't know what it is. And entrepreneurship for a lot of people is an opportunity for them to really find whatever they think it is you know if it's money if it's fulfillment if it's the feeling of freedom um you know if it's this this individualism and this uh, hubris that allows them to feel potentially better than other people whatever it is they're trying to find it but the flashlight is going all over the place you know (laughs) trying to navigate this dark forest 
trying to see who's who's here, who's there, and comparing themselves and contrasting themselves instead of just looking at the path that's directly in front of you to figure out what is really meant for me within this context. Maybe it is just for you to try it out, to push your buttons, see what you're made of. Maybe it is that you are going to be this multimillionaire. Maybe it is for you to build the flexibility to be able to travel the world and work on your own time. Maybe all those those things might be true, but it can't be for everybody. And everybody's story can't be a copy paste of the other person. So, <laughs> you know, I think that's just literally what it boils down to is people are trying to find something and they are trying to find based on predefined notions and based on other people's stories instead of focusing on their own path. Ooh, finger snaps. Ooh. <laughs> They're trying to find based on predefined notions. Oh, y'all, you can't, uh, can't even buy this stuff. <laughs> this, inf- this, these gems is just drop it. Here you go, just dollar, you know, spreading dollar bills. Here, Here you go. go. <laughs> you get a, you get a, a, a life changing advice. You get a life changing advice. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Um, you know, definitely appreciate you diving deep on that, and definitely keeping it real like this this is what this is about because again there's so many there's so much guilt behind it so much fear behind it so much disappointment and just all this stereotype that it just it ain't it your path is for you period that that's all if you don't take away anything else from this episode your path is for you and guess what you get decide you get to decide what's next on that path no matter how many opinions or ideas or suggestions other people give at the end of the day, your choices are your choices. Your circumstances are your circumstances and whatever happens, be okay with it. You know, maybe be sad with it, but then can just take another chance and keep it pushing, make another choice, turn in another direction, but keep going on your specific path because no two people's path will ever be the same. Not even twins, like Atia and Tamara um, living (laughs) the best individual lives, you know? True. They came from one little egg and now they're two whole humans that are doing the things that they have to do individually. (laughs) Um, And so just remind yourself of that. Not even twins have that same kind of lifestyle. Um, we are coming up to the end and you know, you've given away so many gems and so much knowledge already, but if uh, someone was to leave this podcast, what are, you know, what's the main thing you want to tell them or leave them with as the listeners go on with their entrepreneurial journey, go on with their, their, you know, take a break from it, just go on with their lives. You know, what type of advice or just tangible actions, suggestions you want to leave with the audience? Man, there's so much to say, and uh, I could probably save it for a graduation speech one day, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much. I mean, honestly, I, I could say things like, life has no script, right? It, it doesn't, and you have to be able to accept and embrace that. It's a good thing that it doesn't have a script. It allows us mm-hmm. to be the individuals and, and blossom in ways that um, you can't predict, you know? There's no way when you were a kid growing up and as an adolescent and as a young adult, you would know that you would be here today in the ways that you're here today. And, you know, with the blessings that you have and the challenges that you have that in disguise are blessings sometimes, right? So it's like just life has no script. We we have different reasons why we step into things like entrepreneurship. We have different um, things that we're trying to gain out of life. And if you just navigate it with that mindset of knowing that this isn't, this isn't already written, so to speak, but 
every chapter is part of a larger story and I don't mm -hmm. have to necessarily have every page baked out. I don't have to have all my I's dotted and all my T's crossed. I just got to be open-minded. I just have to be flexible. I just have to kind of gain, like I said earlier, that degree of self-awareness that would allow you to step into things with a bit more confidence. You know, when you, when you really adopt that mindset, everything that you do in the realm of entrepreneurship gets a lot easier. Half the battle is really um, in your mind. So just being able to put your mind on something like that and say to yourself, life has no script. I'm opening this chapter. You know, it, it's, it's going to be written. It's going to be the best damn story one day. It just <laughs> might not be the story that I originally set out to write. Um, that, that, those would probably be my uh, parting words in this particular <laughs> case. But, you know, like I said, there's, there's so much um, that I could leave people with just in a very brief time that I spent uh, out here hustling, trying to be somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, life, life has no script. Entrepreneurship has no script. That, that, that's the best way I would summarize this. All righty. You guys heard it here. There is no script and live the best damn life. <laughs> you know, it's your life. You only get one. So do what you can do your best, move on, take chances, fail, fail forward, lean in all the good stuff, all the fancies. But at the end of the day, it comes down to there is no pre-written script. You get to decide what is next, what needs to be added, what needs to be taken away and how that happens thank you so so much for being here today tamika guys there, her information will be in the comment section so definitely check her out she does a lot of different talks and tours um so you know go to her next speaking engagement um but definitely <laughs> check out tamika vasquez she is an amazing person as you heard it here and maybe you know she'll be your professor one day um what, what's her <laughs> right now right now i'm at st john's university so if y'all in St. John's, go check out Professor Vasquez. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you Tamika. so much. All right. Not a problem at all. You take care. You too. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week. Same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing 